Hey, I'm Jim McGinnis, and this is Stories We Can Tell. At its heart, reflections on history, literature, and music. Stories about individual journeys and struggles and victories. It's about Americans, America, or as much as I have seen. I've been teaching and coaching down here in my hometown of Melbourne, Florida, for the past 35 years. And three years ago, I wrote a book called Tending to the Past. Imagine that, Reflections of an American History Teacher. Since then, I've published a collection of poetry called Point South, mostly about my love for Florida. Surely a verse or two will slip in from time to time. Many years ago, a friend of mine gave me two cherished gifts, a book of Frost poetry and a John Prine record. Thanks, Ferg, wherever the twain shall meet. From there to Carl Sandburg and Hemingway to Jim Harrison, Jim Lepper, and old Jimmy Buffett. My gumbo of influences may help explain what you hear. So thanks goes out to all the links in the chain. Miles to go. Miles to go. Hey. I hope you're doing well. You have ten minutes. I need 10 minutes, you know. If you don't, that's okay, I'll catch you later. But um, I'm not gonna speak on recent events in this episode. Um, I'll have to call this part one. Before I wade in on this present crisis, we need to clean up some things. My apologies, but I am weary of hearing wrong and stupid stuff. And um, I hope you stick around. But we need to begin at the beginning, as the Irish would say. Um, folks, we are an experiment on human nature. The product of the Enlightenment centuries ago, an intellectual revolution, and at its heart was this philosophical debate about human nature. Are we smart? Are we stupid? You know, are we good or are we bad? Shoot, I think the jury is still out today. The argument continues. My father had his own corollary, of course. He, uh, I like to call it the 3% rule. He'd say Seamus O'Haka with his broken Irish. 97% of the people are okay. 3% aren't worth the dynamite to blow them to hell. Mm, I think Dad's percentages need to be adjusted for inflation, don't you think? Anyway, the result of that debate was a crazy but magnificent proposition we call the American idea. We can't go anywhere without it. The idea was bigger, though, than those who embraced it. In establishing uh, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, Jefferson himself wrote a check he couldn't cash. Uh, he couldn't live up to his own words. The principles of the Declaration of Independence were so far beyond the conventional practices of Western civilization. They ran head-on into the peculiar institutions and values of early American life. 
but he got it planted, as Frost said, and it will trouble us a thousand years. Surely by establishing a nation upon the rejection of traditional forces of stability, we were asking for trouble, and we've gotten it. Over the past two centuries, we've struggled to live up to our own promises of liberty and equality. We failed in many cases. Slavery and other institutions or conditions that existed contrary to the idea tore the nation's fabric, and they still do. But the dark side of American history won't begin and end with slavery. But it is that terrible institution is at its core. In Lincoln's time, the breach between our principles and practices was ever widening. His attack on slavery was based solely on the Declaration of Independence. And in elevating the Declaration of Independence from a mere birth certificate to a creed, Lincoln argued that the founders were not saying that perfect equality and freedom actually existed. He believed they were throwing it out there as a goal, an ideal to be pursued. By charging us with finishing the work and by calling on us to be so dedicated, Lincoln tapped into one of the fundamental aspects of the Enlightenment, the capacity for self-improvement. He tied it to the nation's capacity for self-improvement, and in so doing, moved us closer to our ideal. It's not a straight line. Self-improvement requires self-criticism. It com compels us to be painfully honest with ourselves in the wake of both our failings and our accomplishments the work continues more justice more freedom less discrimination more tolerance more hope my father taught me that if you work for something at something toward something if you work hard enough long enough the work becomes the something so then the foundation of american history is that struggle to bridge the gap between the real and the ideal the struggle itself defines us and ennobles us so the inner meaning of democracy is rooted in a vision of human nature as both fallen and perfectible that of course comes from jacob needleman Parisa Gold, you never thought I'd still be quoting him after all these years, but here I am. No expiration date on wisdom. Thank you again. I wrote a verse after reading Needleman years ago. Uh, a hero, you say now, with the sin that he commits, he preaches from the pulpit of the hypocrite. A hero, I say yes, because he's fallen. Ah, uh, hypocrisy, our favorite sin. And Jefferson knew his crime. He saw it plain. He smelled the stench and felt the pain. But if moral contradictions are the measure of a man, who is worth a damn among us? In teaching American history, I always pointed to the flaws of our heroes because our heroes are symbols of the American idea. From our leaders and war heroes to our literary giants and sports legends, 
each had weaknesses, doubts, defeats, but in each a greater force existed, the idea of America. The hero is a demigod in Greek mythology. He is usually the offspring of an immortal and a mortal. For example, Achilles, you know, Brad Pitt, Perseus, Hercules. Every hero had some divine power combined with human flaws. What were the Greeks trying to teach us? I think they were trying to give us a lesson on human nature, don't you think? But often we overemphasize one of the two aspects of human nature. The American hero is either regarded as purely superhuman, an unattainable ideal with no relevance to our actual lives, a fantasy promoting self-deception about human weakness. Example, George Washington's mythical integrity. Or, the hero's on the other side. His nature is rejected, and his or her all-too-human aspects are emphasized. Kennedy and King's indiscretions, and of course, Jefferson's contradictions. The hero is torn down by stressing only his flaws, cynically reducing our vision of a man. Actually, the formula involves both sides. A hero is equal to the human faults plus the superhuman traits. I can't help but think of Babe Ruth here. Our goals have gone from being regarded as non-human gods, our heroes have gone rather, um, who could do no wrong to being seen as mere mortals whose great deeds were only the results of chance, external forces, and whose great deeds were often hypocritical, great words were hypocritical, or motivated by the desire for personal gain. And so we swing between naive ideal idealism and cynical realism. We need to remember that a hero is the representation of an idea our idea. The flaws and compromises in the life and character of our heroes pairs with immense courage or moral vision or self-sacrifice for the good of this nation. We can't treat these contradictory aspects of the hero's nature as merely a sign of hypocrisy or inner disorder, but as a reflection of the mystery of human nature. So, before they're destroyed by narrow realism or naive, blind idealism, we need to rescue these heroes. To be American is to be human. It is to understand being human, to celebrate being human, to survive being human. Our heroes teach us that we are all flawed and weak, but we are capable of extraordinary things. John Adams called Jefferson a shadow man, whose character, quote, was like the great rivers whose bottom we cannot see and make no noise. As a teacher, I presented many figures in history as shadow men, greatly flawed giants. The Greeks would call them heroes. I don't want them destroyed by a judgment driven by the modern cynicism and anger that govern our times. 
where we seem to know the cost of everything and the value of nothing. Nevertheless, I agree with Caroline Randall Williams. Our ancestors don't deserve our unconditional pride. There are some who deserve none. We need to keep telling the story, the whole story. Thank you for listening. This was part one. I'll get back to you soon.